Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked, nor stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditate on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Wherever they do, prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. to thank Matt Curlin for opening our teaching time by reading Psalm 1. Now, we're not a super formal church, um, but I thought it would be nice to include a little liturgy over the next month as we read together uh, the passage for each week and then respond as you did. Um, most of you maybe have been to a Catholic or Episcopal service at some point. Uh, with the uh, with the response, thanks be to God. So we're going to do this over the next few weeks as we study through the book of Psalms. We're going to hit four Psalms in four weeks. And let me just tell you a little bit of the background of what the Psalms are. The Psalms are a collection of songs and poems that were written by several different authors over a period of several centuries. Edward Tesh wrote, unfortunately, we do not have detailed information regarding how the Psalms came to be written, but as one reads them, he or she gains the impression that they had their origin in the crucible of human experience. One of the things I love about the Psalms is the humanness that you will see through these writings, these songs. And that's kind of what music does to us, isn't it? It brings up those emotions. Different people wrote the Psalms in different circumstances, and they wrote about their own human experiences. Now, we do know that of the 150 psalms, that's why we're not doing all of the psalms, King David wrote about half, or a little less than half. And having just worked through eight weeks in the life of David and learning about his character and who he was, a man after God's own heart, we're certainly going to look at several of the psalms that are attributed to him. Now, music, I think, as we read through these psalms and as we just let God kind of work through our hearts and minds over the next few weeks, Music, I think, is one of those gifts that God gives us, and certainly many of these psalms were written as songs and sung together maybe as families or as the assembly of God, but Walter Savage said that music is God's gift to man, the only art of heaven given to earth, and the only art of earth we take to heaven. 
It's a pretty good description of kind of what it looks like for us to be kind of looking through and looking at these psalms and, and thinking about kind of the authors and who wrote these and what they may have been going through and just the human experience and put down on paper, maybe even put to music. Now, I have always loved music. One of my earliest memories is my sister and I, when we were just kids, listening to records. Now, some of you here don't even know what records are, but I'll give you a little education this week. We had, uh, we had two 45s that I remember. Now, 45s were the smaller ones um, that played at a different speed. All of this is good for you guys to learn. Um, one, of the, one of the ones that we had, I remember, it's just like it was yesterday, uh, a song called Build Me Up Buttercup, right? by the foundations. I think that's sort of 60s era. Um, we would sing that and we would play it over and over. We only had two records, you know, like, so we just played them over and over. The other one I remember was the Jackson 5, Never Can Say Goodbye, right? The little Michael Jackson, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, I still remember, it looks a lot like this second one over here with the Motown label on it, that thing uh, revolving. Um, just, a, just a great record. Um, I know, have no idea. I think those records were in, I can't imagine, honestly, my parents buying those for us. Um, I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I think they were probably in the house when we bought the house that we grew up in. So um, I just remember that, right? And that's one of the things that music does to us. Like you hear a song from years ago and you feel the way you felt years ago, right? It's one of those things that God gave us. That's why it's such a gift to connect with us. And it's one of the reasons that, that worship is so meaningful to many of us um, and, and coming together and singing these songs that mean something as we sing them to God. Um, the, the other album that I remember, the first LP or long play album, which was several songs on one album for those younger here, um, was Andy Gibb. Uh, this was the album we had. Now, this was my sister's album. As far as you know, right? <laughs> Love is thicker than water. Some of you may remember Andy Gibb was the younger brother of the BG Gibbs brothers, and he uh, he was pretty popular. But anyway, for for those of you who are my age, maybe a little older, you remember sitting in your room listening to records, right? And we thought we were bringing a little, a little of that nostalgia back, and we're going to do this every week. And by the end of the month, we're going to sing that song that Aaron was teaching us this morning, uh, sitting in his room uh, with, this, um, with this record player. And for those of you who have no idea what a record player is, come back later. We'll give you a, a whole course on it, right? John Phillips wrote, the Psalms touch all the notes on the keyboard of human emotion. So in the Psalms, we have... Love and hate, we have joy and sorrow, we have hope and fear, we have peace and strife, faith and despair. The Psalms contain and preserve all the stuff of life. That's why they're so fascinating. And I hope that you will sort of dive in, not just to the Psalm that we're going to do each week. I hope you will listen to that and talk about it in small group. But we also want to try to answer a few of life's questions in this series. Questions like, where does happiness come from? Or where is God when I sin? Or why does trouble find me? And how does God influence my future? Today in Psalm 1, this is one of the psalms that we're not sure exactly the author is. Some ascribe it to David. Most of the modern translations leave it sort of open-ended. But it's a great place to start. It's a great psalm. It's the very beginning of this collection of songs and poems. And I think the question that we're going to try to answer today is, where does happiness come from? 
This psalm is a great introduction to this compilation, but it's also a great introduction to how to live and how to follow God. And if we wanted to kind of give this psalm an overview look, we would call it the two ways. The psalmist describes two ways. One is wisdom and the other is folly. Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, this psalm begins with the word blessed or blessed, and it's the Hebrew word esher, which means happiness or how happy. It's a similar language that Jesus used at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. You remember the Beatitudes? Blessed is um, the, the, those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are mourn. So each of Jesus' thoughts of wisdom begins with this same idea. Blessed or how happy are the poor in spirit? How happy are those who mourn? How happy are the meek? And Jesus, like the psalmist, is contrasting the way the world sees happiness and the way that God sees it and wants us to live. Like, we spend a ton of time in our lives on a quest for happy, don't we? Like, just trying to find whatever that thing is. We, we think if we have the right career or the right spouse or the right children the right amount of money in our 401k, the right car to drive, the right house to live in, the right friends, the right image, the right uh, memberships, right? And the list goes on and on. All of these things, we think we're going to find happiness there. Funny, the psalmist doesn't mention any of these things. Instead, the psalmist points us to a choice of paths. One path leads to despair and ruin, and the other leads to happiness. First, let's look at the negative. The psalmist says, happy is the one who does not do these three things. First of all, walk in step with the, with the wicked. Two, stand in the way that sinners take. Or three, sit in the company of mockers. Let's take these one at a time. So what does it mean to walk in step with the wicked? Other translations say not to walk or, or say that we are not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. So the question is, what philosophies and counsel are you living by? Do you buy into the wisdom of this world? Do you put your trust and faith into the philosophies of man? Basically, the question is, where are you getting your worldview? Right? That's why Psalm 1 is such a beautiful place for us to start. Because if we get on the right path, it's going to lead to what I believe is happiness. You know, sometimes I'll have a conversation with someone and and they may have a different opinion on a certain subject or worldview. And I always ask, well, who are you listening to? Who are you reading? Where are you getting this information? In other words, what's informing your opinion on this subject? Is it God's word led by the Holy Spirit or something else? Is it the philosophies and the jargon of this world? The psalmist says, happy are the ones who do not walk in step with the wicked. Now, the wicked are the godless. Isaiah says they're like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. And there is no peace for the wicked, Isaiah says. So where are you being informed? Where is your worldview? How are you living your life? Are you walking in step with the wicked? Are you listening and shaping your life and your idea of happiness around that? Well, the psalmist says, you're going to be happy if you 
<laughs> do not get in step with the godless and get advice and counsel from the wicked. Second, psalmist says, happy are the ones who do not stand in the way of sinners. And essentially what the psalmist is saying is we should not stand or endorse the way of sinners. When you stand with someone, you um, are identifying with or endorsing their ways. It's, it's the idea of solidarity, right? Commonality with someone. There have been several um, worker strikes in this year. Some, sometimes the, these workers uh, who go on strike hoping for better wages, better working conditions, and sometimes others will join in with them. They're not a part of the United Auto Workers Union, but people will come alongside them and stand with them, right, in solidarity. That's an indication that they agree with the workers' plight and stance, and they're supporting them. Well, the psalmist says that you're not going to be happy if you station yourself with those for whom evil is habitual. Follow me? You're not going to be happy if, if, if you station yourself or you get in line, if you get in solidarity with those who evil is habitual. When you're in the habit of standing with or stationing yourself with those who are in the, in the habit of doing evil, then you're not going to find happiness. You're going to find what they're finding, right? Anybody know that to be true in your life? <laughs> I had seasons in my life. When I was spending too much time with those who were not living for God. And what came out of that for me was an uneasy feeling. Like not peace. The opposite of peace. When I was in high school, I began hanging out with those who were going to parties and drinking and carrying on. And for a while, I was the straight edge kid who didn't drink. And I'd go to these parties and, you know, I didn't participate. But eventually, guess what happens when you stand with those? Eventually, when you stand with those who are doing stuff you don't believe in, you get sucked in. And that's what happened to me. And knowing that there is a disconnect with who you say you are, right? That's what I really struggle with. I knew I wasn't raised this way. I knew this didn't um, jive with the values that my parents and my grandparents and their grandparents, right, had instilled in me and what I knew from the Bible and what I had, uh, the commitment that I made to Christ. So there was this disconnect. There was this, um, there was this wavering between two ways of living. It's an uneasy way to leave, live, and, and th there's no joy in that, right? That's what steals your happiness, and finally, it says, don't sit in the company of mockers. Notice the progression. Walk, stand, sit. First, you walk with the wicked. You kind of get close to it. You start turning your ear on e to evil counsel. Then you begin to indulge with those. You start to stand with those who live uh, habitually evil lives. And finally, you're sitting with those who mock. You're fully embracing the ungodly way of thinking and living. So much so that you're not only living an evil life, but you're sitting in the circle with those who are mocking God. You're participating. I've done a lot of youth ministry in my life, in my career, and I've seen it happen to students. That's why I love our youth ministry here with dozens of kids and families who come here and um, learn about Christ, and we have great leaders. I appreciate Micah so much for just wading into their culture, not becoming a part of it, but saying, hey, let's, let's try to choose a different way. Because I've seen kids who at one point in their lives were all in for God. 
And they start hanging out with a different crowd at school, and you can see it happening, right? Or they go to college, and the conversations change. You start hearing a little bit more of uh, something that they didn't grow up with, the, the values that you didn't instill in them. And I can tell, you can tell that they're buying what somebody's selling. And before you know it, they're fully anti-Christ. Not the Antichrist, just anti-Jesus, sorry. They're part of the crowd that points the finger at Christian beliefs, right? They're sitting with the mockers. But the psalmist says there is another way. See, the righteous person habitually shuns these this way, this other way. Verse 2 says, but those but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, happy are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So instead of this first path, the psalmist says, you can be happy if you take a different path. And this path delights in God's word. On your way out today, I want to give you, or we want to give you a bookmark. Okay, I want everybody, I don't, I don't want to make 500 of these and have 490 left at the end of today. I want everybody to take one of these and stick it in your Bible. And here's just a, not really a challenge, just to, let me encourage you. Let's read through the Psalms, a Psalm a day for 150 days. That's a little less than half a year, right? Um, most of the Psalms are about like what Matt read this morning, six or eight verses. There are a few. There's one, Psalm 119. When you get there, you might want to buckle up. It's like... <laughs> A lot of verses, over 100 verses. But a psalm a day, and understanding kind of as we read through these psalms together in the next four weeks, we'll learn about kind of what we can learn from these people who are just human and talked about God and praised Him and cried out to Him. So a psalm a day. And that jives with what the psalmist is saying here. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. Let's, let's spend some time. Put a bookmark in your Bible to remind you to read a psalm a day. Let's, let's do that together. Robert Frost wrote, great poet, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. See, I think we need to learn to delight in God's word. And, and once we learn to love God's word, we'll learn to love God's ways. So here it is. Happiness comes from learning to delight and live in God's ways. And it may be the road less traveled. I'll, I'll assure you it is the road less traveled. But that road's going to make all the difference in your life. Verse 3 gives us the result of living this way. Look at verse 3. That person who delights, right, who's getting their happiness from delighting in and living in God's ways, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. See, happiness comes from learning to delight and live in God's ways. And the result of this is three things. First, the person is like a tree planted by streams of water. We will be planted by the stream. In other words, we'll be able to grow and thrive. God's word is sustenance that we need to be healthy. This year, we, we had a couple tomato plants that uh, actually one of my neighbors just dropped off, and we put in some big pots uh, on our back deck. 
And Bonnie kept them watered uh, all summer. As hot as it was, she was diligent about keeping them watered, right? Like, a, like, the, like they were planted by a stream, but the stream was the hose, right? And uh, they were the happiest tomato plants that I have ever seen. And they gave us tons of tomatoes. I mean, we had, I was sick of tomatoes by the end of the summer. Like, can we give away some tomatoes? And the same thing is true for us spiritually. As long as we stay connected to God's word, we can grow and we can thrive and we will, brings us to the next part, we will yield its fruit in season and leaves will not wither, right? So as long as we stay connected to this, um, to this source of sustenance, to this tree, like a tree planted by uh, the stream, then we will be fruitful and healthy. So if we grow and thrive, then we'll produce fruit. Even in the hottest days of summer, our leaves will not wither. We also had a few plants in pots on our patio near our back door. Something nice about having some flowering plants as you walk, you know, walk in every day and greet you when you get home. But we put them in these pots in the spring and, and early summer. And when we first put them in the pots, we have to consistently water them. Like if you miss a day, you can tell that those plants are withering, Right. If you don't take care of them, especially early on, uh, then, then they'll get sad and wilted. So we give them water and they perk up and until they get established. Then they can withstand several days or even a week or more. And if it rains every week, they are self-sufficient. And it makes me happy, right, to see those plants healthy, flowering. And that's what God says we can have when we delight in his word and learn to live by his ways we can find that joy that happiness that comes from we can withstand those seasons of drought we can weather any storm when we're connected and we're planted firmly in God's word deep roots planted by streams of water produce fruit that doesn't wither and if we continue to delight in God's word the psalmist says that whatever they do those who do that will prosper. Now, it's not so much that we will only have success in everything we do, but more the idea that our lives will be, bring overall goodness, right? The fruit that we bear will be goodness. Whatever it, the tree produces is good. I get so much satisfaction from those flowers or tomatoes that we get each summer. It's that kind of satisfaction or happiness that God promises for those who live by his word. If you want real happiness, you got to lean into who God is. Stop sitting with those who don't understand. Stop walking with those who are doing evil. Stop resting and being with those who mock our God. And the end result is there is a contrast. The road you choose will lead you two different ways. Verse 4 says, not so with the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. There is a peace that living by God's word brings us. And in that peace, there's happiness. And that's what God wants for us. Last year, one of our friends, uh, Miss Young Rogers, she's here somewhere. Um, where is she? Okay, Miss Young, I'm, gonna, I'm calling you out. 
Um, she gave me some figs from her fig tree. Now, I've been to Miss Young's house a couple times, and she has the most beautiful yard. She obviously never sleeps. She only works in the yard like 24 hours a day. She's taking some time off today to be here. She gets two hours off a week, right? I don't know how she does it. Her, her yard is beautiful. You can tell she spends a lot of time out there. And she has this beautiful fig tree. So I went over to her place, and she let me pick some figs and gave me some from her freezer. And I went home, and I found a recipe, and I made fig preserves. Now, they weren't quite as good as my grandmama's, but they were close. I've tried this a few times through the years. They were pretty close. It was pretty good. And I, I just love it. And those figs and those preserves that I did last year got me through an entire year. And I eat them a lot. Like, I don't hold back. I'm like, if I run out, I run out. I'm just going to eat them. And they got me through the whole year. So this summer, I asked Miss Young again if, if she might have some figs for me. And again, I went over uh, this year, and her fig tree had even more. I don't know how it could have more, but it had even more figs this year than it did last year. And she gave me a few pounds, and I made fig preserves again. About a month or so later, right in the hottest part of July, Miss Young called me and told me, I want you to come over to my house. I said, okay, yes, ma'am. And this time, she didn't just give me a bag of figs. She had prepared a part of her tree and gave me a cutting to plant in my yard. I think she was tired of me taking her figs, actually. <laughs> so I took it home, and there's a big, uh, she told me exactly what to do. You walk, put it on the porch, water it every day for 10 days, then you plant it and water it another so many days. And um, remember, it was really hot this summer, so I had to kind of be vigilant about it. So we'll see. I also have to fight deer in my backyard, so they really like that fig tree. And hopefully, eventually, I hope to have a fig tree that produces fruit in season year after year. Now, I want you to hear me out this morning. God wants you to find happiness. The psalmist says happiness comes from learning to delight and live in God's ways. But I think too many of us show up and get a little fruit from someone else's tree instead of planting our own tree, growing deep roots next to the streams of water. Because it's then, it's only then that we can produce fruit year after year. And we're not dependent on someone else's happiness. We delight in and live in God's ways like a tree planted by streams of water. That's my prayer for each of you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. And God, we know that your word is true, that in it is life, because it connects us to you and your son. So, Lord, I just pray that we would delight in your word, that we would meditate upon it, that we would not sit with those who mock, that we would not stand with those who don't believe what we believe, that we would not be in step with the wicked, but, Lord, that we would find happiness year after year as we have planted ourselves next to your living water. And that's our prayer, God, that you would sustain us, that when difficult seasons come, when the heat of summer is here, that we would not wilt, 
We would not fade. That we would provide, we would produce fruit year after year in season according to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.